Hi, welcome to Reset Your Mindset by Life Stance Health. Myself, Dwight Thompson, and my co-host, Nicolette Lianza, will bring you conversations with leading Life Stance Health professionals who will help guide you on your journey to positive mental health and well-being. At Life Stance, we believe in the three pillars of mental health, mental flexibility, mindfulness, and resilience. Hi, today we are joined by Melanie Falls, one of our clinicians that works out of our Life Stance Beachwood, Ohio and Brexville, Ohio offices. Melanie has over 25 plus years in experience and we are really thrilled to have her joining us today to look at, um, as we are approaching Valentine's Day, um, look at healthy relationships and what those tend to look like. So before we get into that, Melanie, thank you for joining us. And would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Um, Like you said, I've had uh, probably closer to 30 years of experience in working in a number of different types of um, therapy. I have been with Life Stance, um, formerly PsychBC, for about 17 years now. Initially part-time, but um, now closer to full-time. How about that? I've also worked uh, as an administrator in mental health for a number of years. Um, I am somewhat of a generalist. I um, focus uh, on um, uh, relationship therapy, uh, trauma. Uh, I have a license in chemical dependency, and so I do some of that work. Um, But I have to say, uh, probably my favorite is working with couples and families. Great to hear. Wow. And, and thank you again for being here. And to kind of jump into our topic, let's start with, tell us a little bit about what does a healthy relationship look like? Um, well, I, I like the uh, way that there are two theorists, uh, John and Julie Gottman, who have done a lot of uh, work in marriage uh, therapy. And actually, uh, we're the first ones to really study it from a research standpoint. And so uh, I like their definition or their criteria for a healthy relationship. Um, It's a relationship that has fondness and affection. Uh, A relationship that when you hear them talk to or about each other, they talk about we. Um, Mm. There is a we-ness versus separateness. Um, they are expansive about their relationship. In other words, they, they talk about their experiences, even the negative experiences in a, um, in a light that says, uh, we've worked on this and we've conquered this, we've overcome this, mm-hmm. and here's where we are now. Um, they share values and uh, they emphasize their commitment to each other. Um, wow, that's great. I think a good way to um, to sum this up is it's a very close friendship with sensuality and sex involved. That's a great definition, for sure. Wow. Yep. What are some, that is phenomenal. What are some of the common issues you see as you're navigating couples counseling with couples? I think if I were to classify um, types of issues, I think probably the most common one are relationships that 
have kind of lost their way. Um, they, um, they haven't been able to stay connected and keep the relationship vibrant. Of course, these are often relationships that um, where they've been married for a long time and they not even necessarily a long time, um, five plus years. Okay. Um, they have um, other worldly things that they have to pay attention to, uh, jobs and children and um, helping their parents and parents-in-law, and they, they lose their way. Mm -hmm. um, another common um, problem is relationships that turn into um, living enemies. Um, mm. Not only have they lost their way, but they have um, become, co conflict has become the, the hallmark of the relationship mm. as opposed to friendship. Is that like conflict becomes the norm? Conflict, conflict becomes the norm. Mm. Um, lack of trust, um, a good deal of arguing or what we used to call silent violence, uh, you know, the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And there mm -hmm. are relationships where uh, something critical has happened. This might be the third uh, category, general category, where something critical has happened. They have lost a child. Yeah. Um, they have had the death of someone else in the family who uh, was very important to one or both of them. Uh, they have lost a job. One of them mm -hmm. has lost a very important job. And one of the partners uh, or both become not only disengaged, but themselves depressed yeah. and anxious, which of course complicates the nature of the relationship. For sure, I can only imagine. Yeah. Melanie, thank you for that. Um, that was really insightful. Um, and so when we return, we can start to talk a little bit about, um, you, you know, you know, you just obviously started to point out some of the things that can prevent us from reaching those healthy relationships. So I think it will be helpful to um, kind of look at uh, what we can do when those negative events do happen and people are kind of navigating those um, troubled waters and um, what can be done to, uh, to navigate that. So we'll be right back. So Melanie, um, you pointed out for us some um, just really insightful um, pieces of information when it comes to relationships. I love that the example that you gave um, of sort of the characteristics that a healthy relationship looks like. Can you one more time, um, who was it that founded that research and did that research? Uh, the Gottmans. Uh, they're a married couple, John uh, and Julie Gottman. Sure. Got it. Yep. Uh, I'm sure people have actually heard about oh, yeah. the Gottman approach. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, so you mentioned, you know, one thing that jumped at me is, you know, couples that are sort of navigating um, those tragic events or sort of uh, that lack of trust. Um, and, you know, when that starts to happen, uh, I think it's important in my judgment not to have a knee jerk reaction and immediately call it quits. So if you were giving some advice to some folks that were in that position, what are kind of first steps when it comes to resolving some of those issues? Uh, I think that when it's recognized that it is has taken that uh, U-turn and um, uh, the relationship is becoming very troubled, uh, getting somebody to help 
getting a, a neutral and trained uh, third party to help navigate what's going on because, and of course I mean um, counselor, a psychologist, someone who is in the um, counseling business. Uh, couples are, are reticent often about this, uh, mm -hmm. depending on what their backgrounds are. Sometimes cultural backgrounds mm -hmm. keep them from uh, feeling um, comfortable with engaging mm -hmm. um, a counselor. But I think this is sure. the best way to begin to get your arms around what is going on. And the first thing that uh, a counselor would do is learn about each of the individuals, about the history of their relationship, and begin to pinpoint fundamentally what the problem is. Um, and then it expands from there. Once you know where the U-turn happened, then you can begin to kind of work backwards and uh, help them understand what that U-turn meant to them, what that situation meant to each of them, how they interpreted it, how they saw it individually, and how they saw it as it affecting their marriage. Okay. And let me ask you this, Melanie. Has there been times in your experience where things seemed like they weren't fixable, that you're helping them navigate, improving their communication and, and how they deal with conflict? where you really saw the, the such the differences of perspective of how they navigate things that you were thinking like maybe this isn't best that they stay together? I wish I could say I've never had a time like that, but in reality, I there are times that couples have, have such an intense fracture in the relationship and one or both of them have the inability to suspend skepticism and negative feelings and work their way back into a positive place. Sometimes um, in, in the, um, some theories, uh, they talk about externalizing when a, an individual has externalized that other person and the relationship, meaning they no longer see them as an object or someone who is a part of their psychological makeup, a part of their, um, their being. That often signals that it might be too late. Uh, other instances well, I've seen is when there is an affair that's happened and mm -hmm. that, that love relationship has become distorted and moved over to another person. Good, okay. So I guess this is where we come to, what do you tell them? Like, do you, do you say in the context of it that you're thinking that they're not suspending it enough or like, how do you as a counselor share that information of your thoughts on that? Well, first I try every thing that I, every tool in my toolbox Makes to sense. try to mm -hmm. help them to connect again. I point out uh, that they need to suspend uh, disenchantment, suspend the place that they are and take a tiny leap of faith 
toward each other and towards listening to each other and opening their their hearts, if you will, to each other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're able to hear that, but if it's clear to me mm-hmm. that they are not able to do that, I will tell them that, frankly, I've, I've exhausted the tools that I have. I never okay. go so far as to say, I think you two should get a divorce. Okay. Um, but I will tell them that I, I think I've suspended or I've used what I have to give them. And often they will self-select out. Okay. They will come to me and say, uh, this isn't working. And we think that sometimes they do say we've decided to get a divorce. Um, or sometimes they just say this isn't working. We're, we're not going to come back. Thank you, Melanie. So Melanie, when we're looking um, at some, you know, some specifics and, and some of the tools that you actually implement um, during during your interactions with couples, um, and I know that we've actually been sort of referring to most of the couples during this conversation um, as actually married, but obviously I'm sure you're seeing, um, you know, couples that are maybe um, not at that stage yet, might be boyfriend and girlfriend, they might be engaged. Um, when you're working with them on how to handle this conflict, are there any specific tools um, that an individual might take away um, just from like uh, an individual standpoint on what someone can do to sort of be a better part, a better version of themselves and then naturally become a better partner? Uh, I think that the, the foremost tool that I use is helping them learn how to communicate. Uh, and, and in the communication, learning how to listen and talk and be vulnerable to that other person. So for example, I I ask them to set a time where they can, a a designated time, uh, even if they have to schedule it into uh, what sometimes is a very busy schedule and talk, meaning that one listens and listens actively. Mm -hmm trying to suspend their defensiveness, which is not an easy task. Uh, But if you can suspend your defensiveness, your temptation to jump in and say, no, I didn't say it that way, or you didn't understand that, or um, what what do you mean by that? Suspend that and listen to the other person, even to the point of jotting down things that you may want to remember or that you want want to come back to uh, and, wow. and let the other person, the person who's talking, the person who is expressing their, uh, their concern, their, their upset, completely talk about it mm-hmm. without any inter- interference from the other person. What happens if, often happens, if they can manage to do that is the listener will initially be defensive, will come up with these um, things that they want to say to defend themselves or dispute what the other person is saying. But if they do it, if they're patient, they find themselves, and I've had many people come back and tell me this, they actually start to take the other person's side. Hmm. They start to hear 
the story, hear the concern and empathize. Um, and then of course, the other person, they switch roles. The other person gets to express themselves uh, in the mm -hmm. same manner. Mm -hmm. So I think communication is a real key to helping couples get started on a healthy or a happier relationship. Yeah, it seems like that's what it all comes back to. Um, and to piggyback on that, I, I think with the key of those communication skills that you're showing them, they can then improve how they argue and how they navigate arguments and disagreements. And I think that's key. Oftentimes, I'll hear people say like, oh, it's not good to argue, but actually that's not a negative thing. It's about how you can navigate that argument, and that disagreement. Do you have any tips of how one can argue fairly? Yes, I do. But let me first yeah. say, arguing is important in a relationship. Um, whenever I've heard somebody say, oh, we never argue, a red flag goes up in my head because um, arguing no two human beings, regardless of how much they love each other, mm -hmm. can exist in a relationship, a close relationship, right. without having disagreements uh, because they're still two individual people. So learning to argue is, is a, an important skill. Mm -hmm. the, well, the, the first tip is when you are uh, upset, angry, Take the word you out of your vocabulary. Hard to do sometimes. It's right. hard to do. Right. Uh, begin with, I was upset when this happened. I felt this way when that happened. Start mm -hmm. the sentence with I. It takes mm -hmm. practice, but it's doable if you practice. Uh, the second tip would be when you are clear that you're so angry that you cannot think straight, that your amygdala is pumping neurochemicals through your brain mm -hmm. a thousand miles an hour, that's the time to say, I am too angry right now. I need to take a time out and come back to this. So I, I think between those two, managing the intensity of your emotion mm -hmm. and taking the I position mm -hmm. in communicating, I think are probably the two most important elements. So Melanie, let me say this. Let me kind of, as we wind down our time, kind of throw at you some of my takeaways that I've heard you share today. And you, you've definitely shared a lot of great knowledge. And I Definitely thank you again. I think when people are coming together as a couple, that it's inevitable that as two individuals that you're not going to have a difference of opinion. I think something you said key was that arguing is important. It's mm -hmm. all about how you argue. And if you can take the you out of the argument and, and come from a point of view of the, the I statement per se, I feel this way or that, as well as taking the fuel of the anger that might be adding to the disagreement and taking a step back and taking a time out is also very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I think just communication is the key overall. And I think that's probably the number one thing you are uh, showing your clients, how to communicate better. Um, 
and that you definitely follow it. It sounds like a very specific method of the Gottman approach that is, seems to be very helpful. And that is something I think if couples even researched more on their own, can see that that would be a very helpful approach as well. Yes, I, I, um, I am an advocate of the Gottman method, um, not, a, not strictly adhering to it, but definitely advocating for it. And uh, they have a, a new book out that I think that I've recommended to many yeah. of my couples. Uh, it's called Eight Dates. Eight Dates. Eight okay. Dates. And the premise of the book is there you um, schedule eight dates with each other. And at each date, there is a topic that you talk about to understand and get to know each other better. Uh, they, they spell out the topics uh, in the book. So um, I think it's a marvelous idea that, yes, that they've done. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's, that sounds very interesting. Um, all of their approach does. I mean, even some of the verbiage that, um, you know, I think that we hear often, maybe even in some ways sounds cliche is at its, at its uh, base, just so important. Um, and I think it's important too, to point out that what we've been discussing obviously is maybe a little bit more geared towards romantic relationships, but this is stuff that you can implement in relationships um, just throughout your That's life. That's a in good general. point. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, I mean, and, and just so much, you know, we, it, we have so many relationships, I think that we navigate that um, they don't just all fall into one category. So um, I just think it's really helpful that you shared some of this insight. Um, I know personally, I found it very helpful. And I think our listeners will as well. Absolutely. Well, just a, a, a point around that. Um, one of the keys to a, um, a positive romantic relationship uh, is to give more positive interactions than negative interactions. That's good. Um, <laughs> and pay attention to those. It doesn't have to be just verbally. It can be a hug, a tap on the shoulder, mm -hmm. a, a call in the middle of the day. How mm -hmm. are you? Uh, if people uh, have that have studied working with children and helping children to mm -hmm. become happy, healthy adults, most of us know that having the ratio of positive to negative interactions with children right. uh, is, uh, is a, a way to help a child to be happier yes. and healthier. So uh, yeah, it, the, these ideas are definitely can be extrapolated into uh, other kinds of relationships. For sure. Yep. Thank you again, Melanie. Thank you for joining us today. Yes. We'd love to have you on again. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Melanie. You're welcome. So, Dwight, today's yep. conversation was amazing. Melanie is so knowledgeable, and I I've took away so many points and trying to even consolidate it into just a, a few takeaways is hard. Um, I think one of the biggest things is her recommendation of the book by the Gottman's Eight Dates. I, I think that's very helpful. I think people often like to go to their internet or go to books to kind of help guide them as sure. they're trying to do even maybe relationship maintenance or to try to navigate uh, some issues. So it was great that she uh, recommended that book. I, I, I think totally agree. another part on my end is her emphasizing, you know, how arguing is important and how we navigate our arguments and that 
when we are able to have a disagreement and navigate it in a, a healthy way, it can actually bring people closer together to be able to work through arguments and disagreements. And that ultimately can make the relationship stronger. Right. And, you know, one of the things you pointed out is that in the context of this podcast, we were following a lot about like romantic relationships, but also family relationships. Like a lot of these tips can go with like among family, friends, just whoever we communicate with. And that also goes with, you know, how disagreement with others, if you can understand how to navigate uh, those disagreements with others, that could be very helpful as well. So, um, but I think with, when it comes to some relationships where it seems like, they're needing some help where the conflict is the norm. I think it's important too, and this is an important takeaway that people do maybe step out to ask for help to meet with a counselor. And sometimes that that third party as a mediator slash kind of neutral person can best help guide uh, the couple or the issues within a family or just with another person to kind of help uh, navigate them out and through it. So sure. what about yourself? What were some of your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, um, I can totally echo the sentiment that, um, you know, that third party presence is so helpful. That was one of my major takeaways. Um, and something she kind of referenced is something that we discussed in our previous episode regarding um, there's some barriers sometimes that might lie like culturally or whatever it may be mm -hmm. seeking, to seeking that third party help. So um, I thought it was important that she kind of shed light on how to take the initiative to do so. Right. Um, right. Melanie really did a phenomenal job. And for me, another another one of my takeaways was uh, the importance of the verbiage that we use. Um, I think that it's something that we can, um, yeah, you know, really easily overlook, right? Like we, um, you know, we have just sort of the conversations that we have, and I think we get comfortable maybe with our partners at times or right, right, whatever it may be. And so we tend to maybe play a little bit fast and loose with some of the words that we use, and it's important to be very mindful of how you're referring to your partner and your relationship as a whole. Yes. Uh, the importance of just using the word we when you're referring yes. to relationships instead of two mm -hmm. totally separate entities. Of course, you're separate individuals, um, but, you know, kind of viewing yourselves as a unit um, and just that verbiage goes a long way. Um, and I think the other thing that Melanie uh, pointed out was uh, the importance that it's it's natural things are going to ebb and flow just in life in general in any relationship you have and when you are navigating some of those more difficult times or difficult circumstances there's a balance between having a knee-jerk reaction and just you know calling it quits and separating yourself from that person right however there also is a point where you know you have to be uh aware enough and self-aware to recognize where maybe you have um, exercised all options um and separating yeah. is actually the best the best uh the best decision for the both of you so um you know i just thought uh those points were really poignant i thought melanie did a phenomenal job yes um, our, our listeners will definitely have some excellent takeaways i think so thank you dwight thanks everybody for listening